President's Day Denver, sitting in today for Stokely and Zach, here's the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. Welcome into the program, Denver 7's Troy Rank, brought to you by Rocks Heating and Air, that's R-O-X, Heating and Air. Mr. Rank, how are you, sir? Doing fantastic, Dan, how are you? I'm doing well. Did you get some time off? Did you just a little downtime after this morning, relax, regroup, so you can come right back on the station? <laughs> yeah, that telethon I did this morning from 6 to 10, it was, it was great. No, it was, it was great. It's a weird time of year, being no football last weekend. Uh, basketball all-star game, just an absolute joke, although I'd like to slam dunk contest and watch some golf. But it's a different time of year, but the Broncos are never out of season. You know that, Dan. Right, there's never an off-season for the Denver Broncos. You know that as a fan, uh, you know, alumni here. Um, hey, let me ask you this. Um, what t- so the, you, you mentioned the all-star game. Did you watch any of that last night? I watched some. I mean, it was a shoot-around. I mean, yeah. I don't know if we're to blame in the media, the players are to blame, but when everything in life is evaluated on winning championships and winning rings and creating a brand, the All-Star Game serves no purpose for these players. There's just no incentive to do anything other than just like a, like a celebrated shoot-around. And we've seen what happened in football. The only All-Star Game that resembles the sport is baseball. I mean, really, that's the only one that even close to resembles the sport we see on a daily basis. Yeah. Now I was gonna. I'm, of course, I'm gonna ask you about baseball. You know, I'm not a. I'm not a giant baseball guy. I. I. I felt wounded. I never. My feelings got so hurt after they canceled the World Series, the most sacred thing thing in sports, uh, in the middle of the season over money. I just never got over it, Troy. But thankfully, there's people like you that uh, keep keep it going, and you're one of the best. Uh, even though you're with the Broncos, you keep an eye on the Rockies. Uh, the Rockies doesn't sound like Mr. Monfort. Now everybody's going to spring training now. doesn't sound like Mr. Monfort is setting the bar very high for our beloved hometown team. Can you talk to us about it? Yeah, listen, it's going to be a tough year for them. The division's tough. The National League gets better. And as we talked about, uh, Matt Smith and I talked about this morning on the fan, I understand rebuilding. I really do. It just There's a lack of transparency in what the Rockies are trying to do. If you want to be a draft and development team, that's fine. Then be a draft and development team. But you can't do that and then, oh, trade your best player for one middling prospect in Austin Gomber and pay your best player to go away, best player in franchise history, and Nolan Arnauto. Then you turn around and give the similar money to Chris Bryant. And I know they're just so reluctant to say we're rebuilding or going young because they feel like they'll take a ding in attendance. But I don't know that it would be appreciable because so many people go to Coors Field in the summer to either watch the other team or just have a great night. It's the best-kept ballpark in the National League, even though it's the second oldest. Uh, it's just it's hard to watch. They captured light in a bottle in the 07 World Series, and they had the 17 and 18 playoff berth, and now it just feels like they're further away than ever. And what is the plan? They, they don't have this what tidal wave of prospects coming. That's the discouraging part. It's fine to win 65, 70 games, and you look into the farm system and say, oh, yeah, we got some dudes coming. We're going to be fine. They don't, and they especially don't have it from the pitching side. So, again, their over-under is going to be somewhere between, I imagine, 65 and 68 wins, and that's probably accurate, unfortunately, because that's where they are. Let me ask you this, because our friend behind the glass, Dante Gomez, brought this up the other day on the Dan Jacobs show. He says that, now he's an outsider, but he says the Bro- the Rockies' attendance is overrated 
because they have the advantage of having a bigger ballpark than most other teams. Like, for example, Boston is sold out every night. And if they had a larger stadium, they would continue to sell out. Um, but they don't. They have the historic stadium, so they get less people they can put in there. Is that a fair criticism that the – I don't – I personally I don't think so, but, Troy, you're an expert. Uh, is the Rockies' attendance overrated or overinflated? I don't think it's overrated because they keep people continue to show up even when the product isn't great. And that there's something to be said for that. I mean, I, maybe it sends the wrong message. I always remind people, though, when I grew up, we didn't have a major league team. I didn't go to a major league baseball game in the state until my senior year of college in 1993, the first year of the Rockies. So I never tell people to stay away from the team. I didn't have one growing up. I love going to see games. I still go see a few games every year because I love baseball. They're not marketing for a person like myself. And Coors Field, to their credit, they made it a place to go hang out. I mean, the party deck and all that stuff is great for socializing, people watching, really everything but the final result on the scoreboard. And that's the issue with the Rockies. So I don't think the attendance is overrated. I would say it's an anomaly that a team that can consistently perform, perform as poorly as they do overall record, not necessarily their home record, continues to draw. That I mean, you watch when the Broncos struggle, Dan, immediately we're looking at that no-show list. What's that going to be? You know, this year it climbed a couple of times, which spelled doom, number of reasons to spell doom for Hackett. But the Rockies don't suffer similar consequences, and that's just the way they built it. It's a destination place to go to the stadium, and the last thing that seems to matter both to those making the decisions and some people going are the results. And, again, we're, it's uh, my, my sadness for it is that three decades in, I would just like to see there be more accountability to the performance on the field or the plan on the plan being transparent to what we're trying to accomplish on the field. It's no longer 10 years in, 15 years. We've had a team now for three decades, and I just wish that – and three decades never won a National League West title. I just wish there was more accountability to the final results or a more clear vision as how you're going to achieve better results, even if it takes a number of years. Yeah. No, I, 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 to them it doesn't matter. They made all the money off McGregor Square, so they're set now. And the people are going to show up, so who cares? Remember, I mean, this is a guy that was writing letters to people that were, you know, Monfort, what was the letter he wrote back to a fan that was like, fine, don't come then? When they're like, dude, I come from, you know, Wyoming or Grand Junction or whatever, and I expect, you know, at least a competitive team. And he says, fine, I don't need you, don't come. I mean, that's that's sometimes their attitude. Yeah, well, listen, Dick Monfort cares about baseball. He does. He just, they want to do it their own way. And their own way doesn't. It's basically a juxtaposition to how professional sports are run, where there's consequences for lack of performance. They value loyalty over competence, in my opinion, at too many roles in the organization. And when you do that, this is what happens. And sometimes loyalty is a wonderful quality, but you don't, you rarely see in professional sports loyalty without winning. And they just, the final results and their standings don't matter as much to them as they do other places. That's just the reality of it. All right, last thing for you. I can't believe I talked this much Rockies, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm making some personal progress, some personal growth, Troy. I don't know, but we, we did a lot of Rockies talk. Um, the Broncos, Rex Ryan over here hanging out at the, at the hotel this weekend. Uh, tell us the latest on, uh, we're all, dude, I, we all want Rex Ryan for one reason or another. Uh, what's it going to be? What are, you, what are you hearing? Yeah, listen, Vance Joseph and Rex Ryan remain prime candidates with Ryan the slight favorite for the Broncos defensive coordinator job. Ryan's resume speaks for itself. You know, nine years, I think out of 12, he's in top 10 in yards allowed. 
creative, aggressive defenses. The question for me with Rex Ryan is really simple. Are you all in? Because he's been out for seven years. That's a long time to be out of the game. And coaching is just, it just cannibalizes these guys. It's 18 hour days. So is he all in? If he is, okay. I mean, I, listen, I, I've been one to say Vance Joseph got set up to fail as a head coach here. And when you look at how Fangio did and Hackett did, he doesn't look as bad. I mean, he had him in a chance to make the playoffs the second year. But between the ghost drafts, an aging roster, a coaching staff that he basically had no input in that backstabbed him to a large degree, he was set up to fail. It doesn't mean he didn't have failures. Trust me, I, I understand that. But he, he interviewed – I just think it would be hard for Vance, given the vitriol toward him and how it ended here, because he inherited a team in 17 that was coming off a winning season. Fans remember that. They're upset with that. They're disappointed in him. So it would be very difficult. He would come in with no reservoir of goodwill at all, as in zero. He's going to interview with Philadelphia Tuesday and Wednesday, so he's a candidate there, so we'll see. Uh, but Sean Payton, Dan, it's been, it's been interesting. He's been slow to hire, as he says, and he would be quick to fire because he want to make, sh- make sure you get the right guy and then hold him accountable. But this process has been very deliberate, very methodical. I would guess they'll have someone in place, though, by the end of this week because the combine, they'll be out there early next week. Yeah, as far as the – is he in it for the long haul? Isn't the, I mean, I think we all would, would expect that if Rex Ryan comes in, he wants to have one or two really good years, so he could be a head coach again. Is, it, is that fair? Well, that's what I would – Yes, based on – I see him a lot on ESPN because I see get up in the mornings and I see the NFL pregame show on ESPN. And ever since 2018, he's postured that way on that show. Like, hey, if an owner wants to call me or if an owner is they're interested, he hasn't interviewed, as far as I know, for a job since he was fired by the Bills. And, you know, maybe part of it's his personality. Part of it maybe is they thought he was out of the game. But basically over the last four or five years, he's made it kind of open, even on TV, that he was interested in getting in, and there was no jump. Now maybe he wasn't interested in getting in as a coordinator, so he might have had opportunities there had he pursued them. But, yeah, that would seem to make sense. I'll come here, inherit a defense that is really good. They turn it around. Let's say they go 9-8 and eight and they're competitive, and his defense is seventh-ranked defense. It puts him in position then to be, get a look for another head coaching job. That would make more sense because I can't – it's hard to me, for me to imagine he'd want to come back and just say, I want to coach five more years as a defensive coordinator. Maybe he would. Uh, my presumption would be that he'd want to do well for a couple of years in Denver in hopes of landing a head coaching job. Yep, fair assumption. Hey, Troy, thanks so much, man. We appreciate it. You got it, Dan. Have a great trip. So, bye. All right. That's Troy Rank, presented by Rocks, R-O-X, Heating and Air. That's Rocks, Heating and Air. Appreciate his time. Coming up next, we're going to revisit our conversation from several hours ago with James Merlett. Happy President's Day, Denver. Sitting in today for Stokely and Zach, here's the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. Just the honorable Judge Dan Jacobs, but the uh, what's what's the, well? I'm not going to put this out there. A good Dante. What do you think is a good adjective for James Merrill? The, the less esteemed? honorable, <laughs> the less honorable. I, I was going to say like the esteemed, you know that type of thing. But James, what would you say? Oh boy, I don't like to give myself an adjective. That's uh, that that seems like a wrong thing to do. It's like giving yourself a nickname. Nobody wants to be that guy. It happens. It happens a lot. Didn't Kobe nickname himself? 
I believe he did, but, uh, you know, he, he was able to live up to it. So, yeah, you, you better be pretty darn good if you're going to go down that route. Okay, so between the less than honorable and the esteemed, there's got to be something in the middle there that would be good for you. Yeah, of those two, obviously, I would choose esteemed. Uh, that's That sounds a little bit better. How about me. affluent? That's what we always tease you about, <laughs> the affluent, James uh, Maryland? No, because we want this to be accurate. So uh, that, that, that can't be the answer. So I don't know. We'll work on it. Okay, okay. Now, I'm looking at your Twitter. Yeah, I always like to go through your Twitter and see if we can get, you know, What's your route up about? But I'm looking at this. You share these things. They're funny. This is at Super 70 Sports. They're just fun tweets. Uh, one of them was about, you know, the uh, Wolverines from Calumet, Colorado. I wonder how many of our listeners will actually pick up on that. Um, you should thank them for their service, right? Yes, a little Red Dawn reference. Yes. And then uh, not not like Mark Schlereth Red Dawn, but, no, you know, old original. school. Yeah, the, the good one, the good movie. Um, although Mark was great in his appearance. He was fantastic. Yeah, he, he, he made the movie, and it was unwatchable after that, uh, after his scene. Um, do you think, my, did his character make it make it out alive? Do you think Mark Schleier's character in Red Dawn, he was the coach? I've got to admit, I have never seen the uh, the remake. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I've mean, seen the clips. I've seen Mark in it. I know that he was the football coach, but I have not seen the movie. Yeah, I, I don't think it showed him. I could be wrong. I don't think it showed him getting gun, gunned down. Uh, but I would have to think that Mark Schlereth's character, the football coach, would have been the first one to take up arms against. I think in that one it was the Korean, North Koreans or South Korean, I right. North yeah. Koreans. Yeah. I, I, but I don't know. Do you think? I, I was just a good question. Does this character make it out alive in that movie? I, well, I, if there's not a scene where he dies, then I guess we have to assume he makes it out. He he, he ran. He tucked tail and ran. He didn't. He didn't go out in a blaze of glory. Well, we didn't. We certainly didn't see it, so yes. I don't think we can uh, go down that path and, with the assumption we got to. We got to assume he made it. Okay, he, he he made it to free America. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now the other tweet here is funny. It says Ernie is a really fortunate fortunate that Bernie never or Bert, excuse me, because we're talking about Bert and Ernie. It says Ernie is really pretty fortunate that Bert never killed him because you could tell he was contemplating murder about once an episode. You think that's yeah, true? So- that just struck me as funny. I was a Sesame Street guy growing up, a Bert and Ernie guy. I watched it a lot. And then when you're older and you look back on it, you're like, yeah, he was always ticked. Yeah. No, well, he was just angry in general, wasn't he? Yeah, like, he was we, frustrated we, by the antics. He was frustrated by everything in life. Do we ever see him smile? I don't think so. I, I, I related to Bert. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah. The, Bert's the frustrated one, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, so is it surprising to anybody that you just said that? I think you're going to, we'll get some, some, some pretty good feedback on that. That James Merrillat is more like Bert than he is Ernie. Well, just kind of frustrated by uh, antics that are going on and, you know, just don't put up with it. Got, got to call it out. How about the antics of last night's? I don't know if you even watched it. I turned in for, I don't even know if I watched for five minutes. When it, when, it, when it was just apparent, the NBA All-Star game, in no way, shape, or form, was going to pretend to be a real competitive. We know it's not competitive, but, I mean, it was just like guys just doing trick shots and stupid yeah, things. Like, it's it's become ridiculous. Know. It's not even a game. It, it was embarrassing last night. I didn't watch very much of it. I probably watched about as much as you did. Um, it's just not worth tuning in for. I watched the draft. I thought that part of it was kind of interesting and funny. And then once the game started, it, it was apparent that it was going to be ridiculous. So they've tried to to change it and do the the thing at the end with the um, the Elam finish. I, be, I believe it's what it's called. That hasn't really worked either. It's just it's a joke. I, I don't know what the the fix for it is. I did see the idea of uh, USA versus the world. That would make it interesting. Would that would that uh, tap into competitive nature of guys? Maybe. Um, but, yeah, last night was just a farce. 
Now, what did you make of Joker's comments? They were trying to, I think, trying to get to him a little bit. Where you're the MVP? Are you surprised you went number seven? And he said, "No, I wouldn't draft me either. I'm not here for this." Yeah, he's he's his game doesn't translate to that nonsense very well. So uh, I don't think he was offended by it at all. I think that's uh, it was exactly where he expected to go. All right, so where do you expect the Nuggets to go from here now that they got through this, whatever the, the all-star thing, festivities are? I, it, you know, we got weird mixed results. I saw Scrappy Will, who's out in a golf course in Florida today. He said he said something about the, the NBA all-star game is now officially a bigger joke than the Pro Bowl, MLB, and whatever it is the NHL does. And then I, I saw other people said they love the all-star, NBA all-star Saturday night activities. Will wasn't a fan. Where did you come out on that stuff? Uh, the three-point contest is fun, is is always cool. The, the slam dunk contest has lost its luster. There's only so many things you can do. Um, the fact that it's players that, you know, the stars don't participate in it, that's always kind of a bummer, right? Like, you know, to be nostalgic about it when it used to be Jordan and Dominique and Larry Nance and, you know, it was actually all-stars that were in it. That was, uh, that was much better, but there's only so much you can do. But I, I find the Saturday night uh, pretty entertaining. Um, all of it, to some extent, though, like, Everybody complains about the Pro Bowl and the MLB All-Star Game, and they keep trying things. Like, they've run their course. They're a, they're a vestige of the past when you didn't get to see these guys all the time. They're just not necessary now that we have, you know, a Sunday ticket and MLB League Pass or whatever they are. You, you get to see all these players all the time anyway now, so um, they should just do away with them. Just so you know, we, we did get a couple. These are actually not bad. Uh, you know, you always got to be careful when you throw things out to the texters, but they've kind of done this on their own accord. They said the mercurial Marilat, which is not a bad thing. That's not bad. That's yeah. not bad. I, I take that one. And the other one is, I think you would take it, the opinionated James Marilat. Yes, yes, I, I take that as a compliment. Yeah. Mercurial yeah. isn't always, uh, that's kind of like, you're you're mysterious and weird well, and complicated and well, that's what I said with Jay, with uh, Bones Highland. I said, yeah, the, people were disappointed. They only got two second round draft picks or whatever they got for him. And I said, huh? Well, as it turns out, Mercurial, me first, no defense playing <laughs> role are you players. Into that whole, you're you're pinning it all on him. You're just taking the Nuggets narrative. You're, you're like the Nuggets media here, Dan. Just taking the narrative, and it was all his fault. No, just- well, well, it, it's the majority is his fault. I I do believe, particularly with MBJ, I do fall in your camp, and the, the coach has some responsibility. Like I, Malone should have gone in and seen seen if he could have fixed that, right? Yeah, Malone's yeah. too old school, and then he's going to be like he's one of those old coaches, like ah, screw it, you know. He's, he's, like, dude, you have it. It's hard in NBA in Denver in the NBA. P- guys don't want to stay here. Guys don't want to be here. When you have good young talent, you should do everything you can to retain that talent and work with it. And Bones Highlands was saying, "Hey, man, if they would, I don't believe him to a hundred percent." But when he, you know, a few days ago, when he says, "Hey, I didn't have a problem with anything other than the communication from the coaching," like, if, I think Malone could have done more to sit him down and go, "Hey, man." We're in a bad spot here. Look, here's what I need from you. Here's what, and I know you want to play. I know you want minutes, but I got to get this from you first. It doesn't sound like that happened, and it sounds no. like Malone just goes overboard. The MPJ thing continues to be a joke because nobody plays defense on this team, um, and it's a little bit with Bones as well. But I, I, I don't give. I'm not giving Bones a free pass. He, he, I'm not either. He, he deserves he, plenty of the blame, and there's no excuse for for leaving the bench and leaving the the arena. I mean, that's. That's unacceptable, but I do think Malone deserves some of the blame when there was no communication, at least if you believe Bones, that 
Um, you know, I think you try to exhaust all your options and try to communicate with them, try to get them to buy in, try to get them to understand. And then if he doesn't, so be it. But it doesn't sound like that happened, and that's my problem with it. All right. Um, real quick, we'll do this one. Benjamin Button, James Merlack, because I can't believe he's 50. That's a compliment, <laughs> James. I'll take that compliment. You don't look 50. You don't even look 40. You look- I'm, not, I'm, almost, I'm not quite 50. I'm 49, but it's close enough. It's, Dude, I, uh, I painted it's, you it's as, right out the front window. I painted you as 50 like a year ago, man. I'm know, going with it, man. You're 50. I'm leaning into it. 30 didn't bother me at all. 40 was fine. 50, it's like, man. That's a you're you're past halftime at fifty. That's uh that's a tough one. Yes, yes. It's uh yeah. Well, you know, regenerative technology. We're all you know medicine. We're, we're going well. Teflon James is what they're saying, James. Well, I like the fact that they are, are you know tapping into the Teflon thing. Uh, I don't believe I'm Teflon. I mean, I'm I'm accountable. If if I'm if no, I'm wrong, well, we I'll, talked I'll about it, it on Saturday. You, you, you you're Teflon. You know, everything just bounces off you. Every time you're wrong about something, you just say, no, I wasn't wrong. My analysis wasn't wrong. I just no, have new information. That's not true at all. I have I, new I, information. Jared Bednar is an example. I've, I've leaned into that, that I questioned whether or not he, he was the right coach to get the abs over the hump. And, you know, could, could he get out of the second round? And he proved me wrong last year. And that was great. I, I had no issue with that at all. And I hope Michael Malone does the same thing this year. I'll, if, when I'm wrong, I will own it. Accept it and um, and deal with it. I don't. I don't believe I try to move the goal. You post. just keep saying, "Well, I I brought up Kadri. I brought up um, you know some of these other things on Saturday." And you're like, "I just have new information, Dan. I wasn't wrong. I just have I'm new information." Yeah. Well, yeah. That's uh, it's cognitive dissonance, right? If you if you get new information and you continue to insist you're right, even though there's evidence to suggest otherwise. Well, no. That's not a good some thing. of these things you're just wrong. I'm willing to. You were just wrong. Like like on Kadri, you were just wrong. And then you, you know, you, 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 you're not sticking to it, which is good, but you were just wrong. Like with the Broncos being seven and one, you were just wrong. There was no new information. I'm it was totally just wrong on the, on bad the analysis. I didn't, I had yeah. no uh, understanding that they would get worse from the, from the first game on. Like yet my expectation was that they would improve upon that, that their first game would be kind of a launching pad as opposed to being probably the best all around game they played all season long. So yeah, didn't see that coming, uh, for sure. You know, sometimes my optimism gets the better. Oh, is that what it is? And yeah, it certainly did with the Broncos. Th- that hopeless um, romantic and James Merrillat, sometimes it gets the best of you. Yeah, I, I do think they're going to be good this year, though. So, you know, maybe it'll catch me again. I think they have a good chance of flip-flopping it, turning 5-12 and 12 into 12. And 5. Are you becoming the John Elway lapdog media? Is that what's happening? You're like no. Every year, you're, you're going to say they're great. There's nothing to suggest they're going to be anything more than... Maybe you know so, some improvement, but I th- did you say on Saturday like double digit wins? Yeah, I think they I think they got a shot of being twelve and five. Wow! All of those one score games. Good to see you, Nick Ferguson. That if they <laughs> if they had competent coaching, I think they win most of those one score games. So that that's how you can find the team that's going to you know go from potentially worst to first is hey who lost a bunch of one score games and vice versa who won a bunch of one score games. Look at the Vikings; they were eleven and zero. I, I see them taking a big step backward, so I think the Broncos could be that team. I, I mean, listen, Nathaniel Hackett was the number one problem with that team a year ago, without a doubt. That you, you saw that in the last two weeks. Jerry Rosberg was was no genius, but the fact that he just came in, had a plan, um, they had some direction. It was it was night and day. Now you go from him to Sean Payton, a guy who look he wasn't my number one choice, but that doesn't mean he's not a really good head coach and a really good option. I think they're going to be significantly better. Okay, well let's let's talk about 
the situation with the defensive coordinator. I watched, now we were kind of joking about Paxton Lynch. I mean, it's sad. You hate to pile on the guy, but to get benched in an XFL game after being a first-round um, NFL quarterback draft pick, is it's sad. But one of the things I was watching, though, at the end of the game, I didn't watch the whole game. I got home uh, and watched the game. After dancing my heart out at the daddy-daughter dance, James, it was phenomenal. Nice, I nice. just, you know, it was phenomenal on the dance floor. I just had to teach the kids how to do, you know, sometimes you just got to, you got to be like Yoda. You got to just, you know, you know, take out your lightsaber and just slay it so everybody knows you still got it. You know, that was just me sure. on Saturday night on the dance floor. Yeah. Uh, but I came home, like, cutting the rug. Dante didn't even know what that meant. He's like, what does that mean, cutting a rug? Um, are you, like, installing carpet or what? So, um no, but I, I came home, I flipped on the game because I'd seen some tweets about the XFL game, and I was keeping an eye on Wade Phillips to yeah. see to see if he actually still had his mojo or if, you know, some people, they get to a certain age and they just lose it. To me, he just looked, as, you know, maybe not as sharp as ever. He looked sharp. I couldn't tell any difference. No. Um, should we be giving him a look? He's the, he's the head coach of Arlington or no, Houston. Houston, the Houston Roughnecks. The Houston team. Yeah. Uh, they got a win. Uh, I watch. I watched that as well. I watched the post game uh, interview with him. Sharp as attack. He can still do it. Yeah, I mean, it's so, not about age. It's about energy. It's about your ability to relate to players. It, it, it's all of those kind of things. So uh, Wade still seems like the guy that can do all of that. Well, here's the interesting thing: like NFL coaches, to their own detriment, are always looking to that win. We got to win. They always John Elway's like, we got to screw screw the draft. We got we got to get to five hundred if we can. And But one thing I know coaches like to win now, Wade Phillips, I don't know if he's going to be here in five or ten years, but he can help them win now, I would believe, don't you think? Yeah, it just feels like, man, you can't continue to go down that path, can you? Bring, are you suggesting bringing Wade back as a defensive coordinator yes. again? Yes, Uh I mean, you're talking about Vance Joseph and Rex Ryan. I think he's better than VJ. I don't know yeah. that he's a better defensive coordinator than Rex Ryan. Rex was a really good defensive coordinator. His first 10 years as a D.C. and a head coach, nine out of those 10 years, they had a top 10 defense. The only time he was out of the top 10, they were 11th. So with the Ravens and the Jets, he was he was really, really good. That's a pretty impeccable resume. So I would take Rex over uh, Wade, but I would take Wade over VJ. They, yeah. they, they had to go down that route in 2015, uh, even though they didn't want to, and that worked out pretty well. So uh, I would be fine with that. All right, so on denversports.com, there's an article, uh, Nate Jackson published, a New York Times bestselling author, yes. Nate Jackson. For You bring in the heavy hitters on denversports.com. Oh, big, time. It, big time, quite the staff. Every once in a while, I throw one up, up yeah. on there. Yeah, um, two for one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I might come up with something soon. Uh, I was telling, by the way, I was telling people that the, the judge show is not dead. It's just, you know, getting all the contracts and, you know, the, the writers, you know, yeah, is wrong. It's in development. Yeah, it's in, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, that what they call it, in development. Yeah. Um, it's like Seinfeld, like like the Seinfeld show on Seinfeld was a uh-huh. plot line for like, what, four or five years, right? It's, uh, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, but this article's on there, and, you know, this, uh, shameless self-promotion aside, as Brown says, on denversports.com, Nate Jackson wrote an article. I don't agree with everything in the article, but I think it is interesting. I think it's undeniable. If Rex Ryan comes in here, now, is he going to fix that's the premise of the article is that he as the defensive coordinator can fix Russell Wilson. I, the things I don't agree with in the article is the premise that it's that was Ejiro Evero's job is to run his defense in a way that makes everybody better. I don't buy into that, but I buy into the article or the parts of the article that say Rex Ryan can come in. You know he's going to be brash. You know he is going to be so he is going to have so much fire in his belly, so to speak, that any time. They make a play on Russell Wilson. I bet you he'll let Russell know. He'll be chirping. 
I think there's something to it. What about you, James? Where do you fall? Yeah, no, I think there's something to that. I, I think tapping into that competitive spirit on a daily basis uh, is good for is good for everybody. I heard Orlando talking about it. How you know, in, in training camp, when he would go against Von Miller and, and Elvis Dumerville, he's like, man, I don't even know if I can play in this league. And then he went out and played his first preseason game against the Cowboys. And he's like, oh, well, this is this is relatively easy. Like, you know, getting tested by Vaughn and Elvis every day made him a much better player. And, it, you know, through his first few years here in Denver, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday were his uh, his hard work days in practice. And then it made the games, uh, like I say, relatively easy. So I think there's something to be said for that. Um, I, I, do I think that they have to push him every single day in practice for him to get fixed? No, I don't I don't think so. I don't think you have to have Rex Ryan in here, um, you know, chirping and talking and, um, you know, making it that kind of a scene. But I, I do think that that would, would help. I think I think Russell Wilson is eminently fixable. I think Sean Payton, though, plays a much uh, bigger role in that than whoever the defensive coordinator is. All right, last thing. I know you're – I'm trying to figure, is this you being funny or what? With the Avalanche, you keep saying, I told you so. The Avs are back. All you guys that panicked, I'm telling you now, you know, I'm patting myself on the back saying, I told you so. Now, were you actually one of the panickers? Or no. are you being, you being funny? Or are you saying, no, I had confidence in this team all along? I had confidence in this team all along. I, all these people saying, oh, they may not make the postseason. I was like, what? What are you talking about? They're going to get in, and when they get in, they're going to be the team to beat. Um, it, it doesn't matter what their seed is. doesn't matter if they're a wild card. doesn't matter at all. If they get in and they're healthy, which they're trending in that direction, they're going to be the toughest out. They're going to be the team that nobody wants to uh, to go up against. So, yeah, I tried to tell everybody not to panic, not to worry. What are they, 11-2-2 two two in their last 15 games? They're playing great hockey. Gabe is back on the ice today, um, so they're getting healthier and healthier. No, they're they're going to be fine. Everybody just needed to relax. So championship or uh, championship number two imminent in the works. They just got to get healthy, and then they'll just flip the switch like a Madden game. They're the team to beat. Well, they're not really flipping the switch because they're, they're playing really good now. Um, but I, I do think they're going to be playing their best hockey going into the postseason. Um, I don't think they're as deep and as good as they were a year ago. Um, but that uh, there should be no no excuses uh, barring barring injuries to uh, to McKinnon, McCarr. You know, ranting to, to, to the stars, there's no excuse for not going deep into the playoffs. Well, deep into the playoffs? I don't care about going deep into the playoffs. I want a championship. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, you're, we're not going to be getting out the pitchforks if they lose in the Stanley Cup final, if they lose in the Western Conference final. But, you won't, uh, James? You won't be saying, all right, it's time for uh, some accountability for Teflon Bednar? No, absolutely not. It, 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 now, if they lose in the first round and get bounced, then, yeah, I think it's, it's time to start asking some questions and saying, hey, was last year just a fluke? Um, but I don't expect that to happen. I think they're going to go deep. Now, nobody is a bigger CU fan than you. We all that's know correct. this. But so, yes, so what's, what's the what's the over-under on you uh, rolling out the old Teflon Dion moniker? Oh, I don't think that's going to happen. It'll I never mean, happen? What is, there to, what is there to complain about with Dion? Since he rolled into town... What the last two and a half months have been? It's been nothing but good news. So. Well, I can hear you saying like you. I can see this is how I can see it playing out, James. Because this is kind of your mo. Predict some, put some ridiculous expectations on him. Say, yeah, I think they're going to win eight or nine games. It's you know he's he's recruited all this talent. He's a great coach. And then when they only win four or five because they have a monster schedule, you start calling him Teflon Dion. I don't know. Is that no? Because he'll he'll get criticized. I only get. People only get the Teflon moniker when they don't get any criticism, when you're not allowed to say anything negative, when you're not allowed to ask questions, right? That's why he's Teflon Mike is because Michael Malone gets a free pass. His team's one and eight in their last time playoff games. It's all about the injuries. It's like, okay, couldn't have done anything differently. 
couldn't have uh, tried to go big against the Warriors, like just do something. That's why he's Teflon Mike. If, if, if the buffs aren't very good this year, I would assume Dion will get criticism. But if he doesn't, I don't think he will. It is clearly a coaching problem. Um, and I'm the, and I feel like I'm the only one that's willing to say it. Then yeah, he could be Teflon Dion, but look, they're going to be, I'm not going to say they're going to win eight or nine games, but I think they should be a bowl team this year. They got to win six or seven, even with that schedule. I think that's fair. Okay. And then next year, next year, when it expands to 12 team playoff, you got to be knocking on the door. Oh, I think so too. Yeah. That's the expectation. I did find it interesting that they're now charging for the spring game. I thought that was a bit much considering they're. Yeah, but it's a nominal amount. And you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I actually think it's a good thing. I think it's a sign that, hey, we're going to be like the big boys. We're gonna we're we're gonna charge for a spring game. It's gonna be a huge crowd. It's gonna be a ton of fun up there. Um, the excitement is uh, is through the roof. I don't remember uh, the excitement for a CU season being this high since probably what the early nineties, oh, maybe yeah. that ninety four team. Yes, no, absolutely. I mean, it's crazy. All right, James Maryland from DenverSports.com. The the um, opinionated, the mercurial, the uh, affluent. No, not the affluent. No, no. The, mercurial the, may be the best one of the bunch. Mercurial James Maryland. Thank you so much for joining us here on President's Day. All right. See you, Dan. All right. Everybody's chance to react. Coming up next. Happy President's Day, Denver. Sitting in today for Stokely and Zach. Here's the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. Thank you to James Merlat for joining the program. But I think the fairest question that we asked, we raised, was in the beginning of the interview. So, in the new Red Dawn movie, which James somehow did not watch. It's great cinema, James. I actually did like, I, I watched them both. I prefer, like, I'll watch the, the old one. The 1984 version of Red Dawn with Patrick Swayze and C, I think C. Thomas Howell and Charlie Sheen and Emma Thompson. Not Emma Thompson, uh, Leah Thompson. All those guys. It's one of those movies, it's a bad, it's a bad movie, but it's good. And it's, you know, it's nostalgic. So I will watch that. I did watch the new Red Dawn, but if it comes on again, I, I, I have no, no need for it. But Mark Flareth is in the beginning. I think the, it's a fair question. James thinks that Mark Schlereth's character, coach whatever his name was, in the new Red Dawn, survived. He tucked tail and run to free America. Somehow he got out of there. But I, I, me, I, I want to think that as a, as a coach, he would have taken arms and went down fighting, defending. I think the new one was the new one also set in fictional Calumet, Colorado. I think it probably was. Fair question. We'll have to. I'll have to ask if I next time I run into Mark Schlereth, I'll have to ask him. Think he knows? I, I think he has an opinion on it. Yeah. Oh, if he lived. Yeah, whether or not his character lived or died in in the movie. You you're you're chummy with Mark. What do you th- What do you think? What do you think he would say? I doubt he read any of the script besides his. <laughs> That is what I'm going with. But you don't think he'd have an opinion as to what his character... No, I think he definitely has an opinion. His character... Uh, well, no, because then he would have known, obviously. I was going to say, his character could have been... Okay, let's put it this way. If at some point towards the end of the movie, his character is announced dead, but he's not in the scene, I think he would have no idea. Okay. Did you see the movie? No. Okay. Just knowing Mark Schlereth, I don't think he was <laughs> reading the rest of the script. Yeah, really? You think he had his own green room, had his own makeup artist... Had his own trailer, and was just like, "All right, is it my you know 
let me know when it's my turn. He just, he played a high school football coach. And honestly, I can't remember if they won or lost. If it was a heartbreaking loss or if he coached them to a victory. I don't know if if, if he was a if he's 0-1 as a head coach, as a fictional head coach, or if he's 1-0. I don't remember. But it was just, a, you know, at the beginning of the, the beginning of the movie, he's running up and down the sideline yelling at people. And I know it was a tight game. If I remember correctly, it was a tight game. It was a real nail-biter. So, yeah, I, I, I would like to think that he, he went down with the ship. But I don't know. Now, the, on, the, on the nicknames, not, not the nicknames, but the adjective for James. Some more people texted him with Teflon. But somebody said, now, don't look this up, Dante. But if we said the obdurate, James Merlat, what do you think that means? I'm sorry, one more time. Obdurate. Can I have the definition, please? No, um, <laughs> country of origin. The yeah. I don't know. I would guess it's similar to um, shoot. What is the word I'm thinking of? Like a contrarian. Yeah, no, that's not it. Oh. Um, it's. Clo- I mean, it's a good guess. Obdurate means stubbornly refusing to change one's opinion or course of action. Similar to, as you said, similar to obstinate, stubborn as a mule. Pig-headed, bull-headed, awkward, perverse, <laughs> firm, adamant, strong-willed, willful, headstrong. I guess I said headstrong already. So, uh, interesting, interesting. I also found this one interesting. Um, so a season ticket holder wrote in, uh, piggybacking the Troy Rank conversation. Guys, I'm a season ticket package holder. I go to about 40 to 60 Rockies games a year, maybe more. Man, that's a ton of games to go to. Wow. I'm going to be the first to tell you that I don't go to see the Rockies all the time. I go to see the other teams, and I don't always get to see. And I, Okay, players, I don't always get to see how they perform at altitude. There does need to be more accountability held to the Monforts on bringing us a winning product. We should have accidentally won a division title by now. But then again, you have three really good teams uh, with ownership that care about winning a winning product in those three cities. Even in Phoenix, Dante, even in Phoenix, they care about winning more than we do, but they don't always have a winning product. I think the Rockies owners might spend more money than the Diamondbacks. On players? Yeah. Mm, interesting. They also have a lot better attendance and. Pull have, in more money. Have, well, what, what's wrong with you guys in Phoenix? Why don't you care about your team? Why don't you show up? Um, I mean, it's just not a... I don't know. There's something about Coors Field. It's like a good hang to go and watch. It's outdoors. I feel like a lot, you know, part of the atmosphere is being outdoors. It's just like you're in a oh, big... Oh, that's what I always say. I say people go to Coors Field because, because it's outdoors. They think they're doing something healthy or productive, like hunting or camping or hiking. Even though you're sitting inside Coors Field... Slugging beers and drinking, eating nachos, but it feels like you're, you know, feels healthy because you're outside. Am I right? Yeah, I love the atmosphere out there. I don't know. It's kind of like golfing, where it's like, I, I guess in golf you do a little bit more physical taxing stuff. But oh, still- come on, man! Now there's these idiots. I don't. Want, I, I take that back. Not these idiots. These uh, these misguided people that like to walk the golf course. They want to carry their own bag and walk the golf. Course. I think idiots was apt. Okay, well, you know, I'm trying not to be too offensive. But, yeah, I, I have a personal conduct policy that I fall, follow almost without exception. One, when you play golf, you play golf like a man, and you take a cart. And two, 
no weekend golf. I'm not going to play a five or six hour round of golf. All right. I want to be able to zoom through and at least four hours. I like to do, you know, if you can get on by yourself first thing in the morning, you can whiz through in like two, two and a half hours. That's ideal. But no weekend golf. And play golf like a man. Take a golf cart for crying out loud. All right. Coming up next, your last chance to get involved here, and then yeah, probably crosstalk with. So we got Matt Smith and is it Kyle? Might be Coach Reese. Um, but the afternoon show coming up, we'll we'll take a visit in with them again. Your last chance to get involved: three zero three seven one three one zero four three, or follow me on Twitter at Dan T Jacobs Law. That's coming up next. Happy President's Day, Denver. Sitting in today for Stokely and Zach. Here's the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. Well, mystery solved. I can't wait for now Matt Smith sitting in now as he brings, uh, you got four hours coming up? I can't hear that. I don't think, I don't think you're alive. Now, there's a rumor out there. Yes. That Derek Wolf will be back on these airwaves tomorrow. Hey, while well, he's out shooting the... Uh, he's been wolfing it. Well, see, what we recommended was they get him on... Well, it's coming up February 23rd. I guess there's a feral... Not cat, but feral cattle problem. Where's this? In the Gila wilderness, which is part of some federal thing or something. Okay. They're, they're they're destroying the environment and they're tra- you know they're trampling everything, they're screwing up the water. How many cattle are we talking about? 150. Here? There's 150 cattle that are just absolutely feral. feral. Just running wild, they're attacking hikers. Is it doesn't they're attacking hikers. They're charging hikers, yes. Do we have a number on the amount of hikers attacked? See, that was the exact same question that DMAC asked. Was it? Yes. Like, well, how many are we talking about? I'm like, I don't know, five. He says, well, they should move. That is funny. That move is out funny. of your home if you have a problem with the feral cow. So how many did you say? 150. What happened was apparently a rancher a long time. I'm surprised they're not more because this was a long time ago. He just like, eh, I'm done with. You know what was like that movie with uh, Seth MacFarlane where he's just done being a sheep herder? He's like, I'm oh, out. Yeah. A million ways to die in the West. Yes, there yeah. you go. He's like, I'm out. I'm just giving up the, the cattle, mm-hmm. let the cows go, and he just let them run. He just gave, go, you're free, you're free. And mm-hmm. so now there's only 150 of them. Okay. And so they just, can't just, like, lasso them and, and tame them? The terrain is too too rough. So what they're going to have to do, and so I think Derek Wolf could be a part of this, mm-hmm. they're going to get in helicopters with rifles or whatever weapons they and got. they're just going to take all these cows. And there's a pew, 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 pew. Go straight Ted Nugent on them. Huh? I mean, yeah. I feel like okay. I feel like there's a more resourceful way to do that. No, like you'd like get some send some dogs up there and just chase, the, chase these dogs, chase these cattle out of the hills. I mean, it's rough terrain, so it's got to be like up in the up in the Rocky Hills somewhere, right? It is rough terrain. Yes, right. like, can we back up though? It's rough terrain, but the cattle can get in it. That's like, what I'm saying. Like they're that like nimble. We, like we yeah. can't get in, but the cattle can. Come get on, in. The, the, the jeep can't get in and turn around like a cattle. Oh, you, well, you don't need a jeep. Get some horses. Let's go. Like Yellowstone style, absolutely. Yeah, I, well, or I, some Timberlands. Well, but they're aggressive. Hike it, hike it out. Yeah, you got a nice pair of Tims for that. You can go down and help. Hey man, we don't mess up our Tims. <laughs> like our Tims have a purpose. Right. Man. I'm not getting ready I'm to just go. Asking. Uh, yeah, I'm just I, asking. I'm not hiking in my Tims. Okay. Well, they're very aggressive though. You get up there with a with a horse, they're going to charge you. But I, I I just don't understand. For, since since how long have we been? Raising cattle and moving time. steer. At least two weeks. We can't figure this out. 
I'm just saying, we can't yeah. figure this so out. We got to shoot the cattle. Listen, if we brought the Dutton clan and Rip from Yellowstone in there, it probably wouldn't be an issue, but... Well, I guarantee we could find some people like that willing to go do it. But they're just like, hey, we're going to throw... They're going to throw them in a helicopter. Okay. And uh, I could see Derek Wolf. Yeah. He couldn't use his bow and arrow. Sure he could. Why not? Just get the hel- Just get the chopper real low. Okay. Just real low. Was he scared? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Would the wind from the chopper affect the arrow? That's the question. I'm sure it would. You guys are you're an educator, Kyle. Week. Kyle, you're an educator. What do you think? I educate football, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, if it's not on the gridiron. Well, here's the other me. thing. Here's what I was going to ask you guys about, and you, you as well, Coach, uh, both of you. So we were trying to decide. One, um, Coach, well, I guess his name was Coach Dolan. And I couldn't, I couldn't remember if he won or lost. That was Mark Schler's character in the new, the remake of Red Dawn. Okay. He lost on a game-winning, win, game uh, his defense couldn't come through, his special team's defense couldn't come through. They lost on a game-winner. Or no, I think they missed their game-winning kick. Okay. Um, and I don't know if Coach Dolan slash Mark Schler, fake uh, Mark Schler survived. Remember when the assault came in, they did the game, and then I think they got attacked like in the parking lot. I unfortunately um, have never seen this film. You've never seen it? Not the remake. Not the remake. No. You've seen it, Coach? There's two of them? There's two? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Coach. So, Coach Slara, should we hold Mark accountable? Uh, He's 0-1 as a fake coach. On uh, in big time, you know, movies, and he just—I uh, don't think he paid attention to the details enough. His special teams were not good enough. Uh, should we hold him accountable for that? When uh, was this movie uh, accountable? Released? Like how? Like fire him? Uh, no, just uh, you know, talk smack to him every time he tries to criticize the Broncos special. <laughs> By all means, <laughs> when was By this, all means. when was this made? God, I want to say t- I don't know, eight to ten years ago. Okay. Pull yeah, up the have, scene for yeah. me so I can see it. Well, I don't know if they have it. They've got to have it. It's Mark, Mark Schlereth. He's I mean, a, he's I mean, a YouTube star. All he's star. doing, I mean, it, it's, it's a, he's just looking handsome and running up and down the sideline yelling at players, and then he, he coaches them out of a victory. Sounds, well. Mark is basically tantamount to a social media influencer at this point in his life anyway, so. You know, just always on TikTok. Yeah. Posts his facial routines. That's, that's Mark Schlereth, so you can find him on YouTube. He'll be a good sport about it. I say you take whatever jab you can get. Yeah, well, yeah, to, go at it. Yeah, so this was about 2012. This is Mark Schlerth as a role as in the new Red Dawn film. He's a coach, so there you go. Okay. Well, what are we doing uh, today on the uh, the drive when they bring in the A team, like like yourselves? Oh, we've got a ton to get into today. We've got NBA All Star Weekend that yeah. just wrapped up. Nikola Jokic turned 28 years old, but he's you know still maybe disrespected. As far as it comes to the national conversation, Stop we'll, it. we'll get no to maybe. it. We'll no get maybe to it. About it. What do you mean, no maybe? You guys no need to get off this. It. Charles Barkley was spitting truth. What's that? What did he say? You guys got to quit whining. He's a two-time, probably soon to be three-time. Why do you guys have such a big inferiority complex? Oh, I don't have an inferiority complex. You saw it last night. LeBron can't even pronounce Nikola Jokic's last name. Oh, sorry, sorry about that. But he's a, he's, he's going to be the MVP. Other than what higher honor can you get in the sport than being a two time MVP from oh, man, Denver? You, you play for the respect of your peers as much as you play for winning championships and anything else. So they wouldn't have done that to Giannis. That, right. that would have never happened to him. Right, right. Ever. So no so, one said Giannis no, at, at, at all. They, but they don't say his last name. Yeah, but who can? Can you, you say his last name? No. Yeah, okay. How many so syllables there, is there's that? a point. Versus it's at least six. Antetokounmpo? Yeah. No, you're not going to get a bunch of guys going up there and taking swings at that. No. But, and I would give them the grace of actually trying, right, because they respect him to that level. The fact that he was second to last and had to be had to jump out of his seat to not be last, by the way, <laughs> Come well, on, Michael, man. I guess Come Michael on, Malone after the game said that he didn't 
remember Lowry Markkinen was sitting there, and so he just walked up to LeBron, which, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily believe that, but at the same time, he and he acknowledged as much after the game, that's not his type of format. That's not his environment. Yeah. You know, you, these guys are just jacking threes pretty much for right. four quarters, right? Nikola Jokic is Half not going to be that shots. guy. Exactly. Exactly. You want you saw a bunch of the guards go earlier in the draft. Now, what did you think of the All Star lineup draft? I, I I think it I think it was a little corny. You know what I mean? I thought so. I thought I thought it had the schoolyard. They wanted that schoolyard appeal to it, but it just came off. But as it was corny. too long, man. And it was like this whole production. It was yeah. like stop. Just and then stop. it came off as uninformed. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's, it's very much as part of a, he's not in the club. And we, we all knew that before. But if you had to put that on a billboard, I don't know any bigger billboard to put it on than one on the NBA All-Star Weekend Sunday afternoon game. Now, Coach, now, I was talking about you yesterday. I was listening to you guys' show on oh, the no. way into the show yesterday. Oh, boy. Okay. And I, you always slander us, Dan. I slander you? What oh, are you talking just, just about? Slander I'm going to have to level. stick around. I like doing this because I can stick around and defend myself. So go okay, ahead. Good. Go I ahead, actually man. gave you credit because you were talking about the Phoenix Suns. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you were talking. You said they're a used Bentley. Yeah, beat up Bentley, man. Uh, and I didn't. Well, I understood the analogy because there are. And you, you're basically saying the Suns are, even with KD, it's like, oh, it's a luxury vehicle. It's a used luxury vehicle. Looks cool. But it's going to break down and cost you a bunch of money. And I got the analysis. Right yeah. By the way, Dante, who's a Suns fan, took it as a compliment. I'm like, I don't think that's what Coach meant. It's still a Bentley, huh? Um, but I didn't realize Bentleys were in that club. Like, I know BMWs and Jaguars and Audis are in that. Yeah, that's what you think about. Like, They you know, literally lead that club. What, what are you? What Bentley, are you? I did. I had no idea because a Bentley is still expensive. Like a BMW, you get you, you know it sells for eighty grand, and then you can buy one for twelve. You know, you might, four years you might later. Be right, they're not in that club. They're like in the other club above it, right, Kyle? Because so, I think KD, being a two-time MVP and, and Finals MVP, I think he is slightly above the Audi club. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's a Bentley. He I a didn't Bentley. realize Bentleys broke down like that. Now, you guys you obviously you have owned Bentleys. Replace the water pump on a Bentley? Come on, man. Well, I know. You guys have owned Bentleys. I've, you the know, last I've one got, I had. I got Toyotas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, look, I'm not sure a Bentley has ever gotten to over 50,000 miles before, so no I don't wow. know how much no maintenance doubt. a Bentley really needs. Who's out there using their Bent at, as an everyday driver? Would it have been better had I said a sob? No, I'm giving you credit because okay. I looked it up. Okay. After, well, well during the, sh- you know, after you guys left, and I said, wow, he is absolutely 100% right. Like Bentleys, I guess do break down. I didn't. I didn't associate them with that. I just associate them with quality and luxury. And uh, you were right. And maintenance right. free, apparently. No, I'm <laughs> giving you credit. Like I had no idea. I, I when I think of a Bentley, I think of handcrafted wood. Everything is hand stitching. It's attention to detail. Maybe. And I had no no idea they went cheap on the Devin you know, Booker. Yeah, you, there you, you go. you're thinking all those things, and you'd be right, right? You know, plush leather, wood yeah. grain. Premium audio system, right? Freeze from five foot beyond the arc. Yep. Until until it ain't. Right. Until it's time to race. There you go. So, yes, I think to Dan's point, is Nikola Jokic truly disrespected? No. No, he's not truly disrespected. He's about to be the third, you know, back-to-back-to-back MVP, right? But I think it showed you last night that for him to truly be a fabric of the superstar culture, he's going to have to win a title. Am I wrong, Kyle? Like, I that was the vibe I got last night after LeBron goes Jokic and, you know, he's like the Joker and they kind of forget about him. And it was just one of those things where, where you're looking at it and it's like, you know what? He's got to accomplish more. 
It's either that or win a slam dunk contest. So it's probably more likely that he's going to win the finals <laughs> than he is going to win a slam dunk contest. So Mac McClung had a hundred grand in career earnings heading into the dunk contest. Mm-hmm. He made a hundred grand from winning. The dunk <laughs> they call contest. leveling up. Yeah, there you go. Now on this, uh, I, I I said that the commissioner had to directly respond to James Merrillat. And, you know, because James has been banging the drum. And he actually, most people blaming the coaches. James is actually blaming Jokic, like saying, now slamming Jokic mm-hmm. um, for sitting out, saying he should demand a play. Um, but the, the, the commissioner said, eh, no, I don't think it's, I'm not buying into that. It's not that big a deal. People can just deal with it if they show up to it. Like, like James, James makes it seem like there's toddlers crying in the stands every time, or, you know, little kids crying in the stands, uh, you know, for traumatically, uh, Change they didn't forever. Get to see the Joker because right? they didn't get to see Nikola Jokic play. Isn't, isn't it just James crying in the sand? I'm pretty sure that that's <laughs> right. what it is. So that's I'm why pretty so sure sour. Joker didn't want to play. Right? For one, it's not his get down. That's not his environment. But he's talking Two, about load management. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sorry. We're switching to the, the oh, okay. load management oh, argument. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Silver yeah. said, "I'm not buying into this load management junk. Uh, it's just it is what it is. They, these guys." Basically, all the commissioner was saying was making an argument for reducing the games because he said we, you know, he's basically said we play too many games. These guys need rest, mm-hmm. and I agree. Like, how do we? Whoever decided that we need to play 160 plus baseball games and 80 plus hockey and basketball games? It's a farce. Well, who's complaining about? It? You got to think about me, that. okay? Because if the players are complaining about it, they got to think about how you're lining your pockets, right? right? How many games does it take for you to be minus? Two, three, four million dollars before you say, okay, I don't mind playing the all 82. Right. Because that's what's lining your pocket. So, sure, if you're willing to take the hit financially, take it down to 68, knock yourself out. 50. Is 50 hockey games and 50, 50 basketball right. games not enough? It's going to be proportionate to the money that you're making. Yeah. So, I understand what you're saying. I'm sure, Divide as, hell, it up and I'm sure as hell glad this NHL season is 82 and not 50. Right. For, yeah. Yeah. yeah for, I'm real glad about that, Dan. You know, injuries injuries play a big a big factor in it. Well, and maybe I, it would play less. Maybe you'd be less injured if you didn't play 80-plus games for no reason. That's another argument to it right there. Yeah. I mean, time will tell, but they're not changing it. You know why? Because they're not turning down money. It's the money machine, man. They're not turning the money down, especially baseball. Baseball's got it made in the shade. Baseball every day of the summer. I mean, that's basically what I expect it's out so of pathetic. my baseball team. It's so pathetic. 162 games. If you can't. Why? <laughs> Why? But, but, okay. Yeah. 162 of those bad boys. We're not We're not crying for less football. Matt Smith. Because and- it's, yeah, because it's it's unique. It's finite. It's Yeah. It's okay. That's it. All right. All right. That is it. Matt Smith and Kyle Reese in for DMAC and Derek Wolf today on The Drive. Thank you, Judge Jacobs, for sticking around. We always appreciate it. Tons to get to as we roll on. On Denver Sports Station, 104.3.